Hi and welcome to the Beyond Darkness Dialogues with Nana and Nadia. This is a podcast about artistic practice and artistic research. And it's a place for us to share our dialogues with people that inspire us during our collective artistic journey with Beyond Darkness, as well as a space for knowledge sharing in general and exchanging ideas with you. Today we are talking to Nana Franziska Schüttlander, who is a performance and visual artist that works in the intersection between performance, installation and conceptual art. Her work is often long durational and involves immersive strategies and serial formats. Nana Franziska often works site-specifically with a co-creational approach to the site and the beings in it. We wish you a wonderful insight into her work. Welcome, Nana. Thank you. Nana Francisca. Yes, Nana Francisca. thank you. Yes. Um, to the Beyond Darkness Dialogues. You. Um, maybe just to start with, would you mind telling a little bit about yourself and your artistic practice? Yeah, um, I'll try. <laughs> I've uh, kind of been meandering around the landscape of artistic expression for quite many years. Uh, I started in dance. Um, so originally I'm a flamenco dancer mm. and I trained in Spain. Um, and then from there I went on to working with immersive or participatory performances mm -hmm. and large-scale spatial installations. I collaborated with uh, Sina uh, mm -hmm. way back in the early zeros <laughs> for an intensive period of time. And uh, so I guess I've been weaving back and forth between dance and performance and installation and a lot of hybrid formats uh, within that field. Um, I had kids, which meant that I was also for a while not really able to submerge myself in an artistic practice, which mm. um, calls for a lot of attention and space and uh, not so many uh, uh, disruptions mm -hmm. all the time. But uh, back in, from 13 to 15, I um, took a two years, uh, like equivalent of a, of a bachelor's at the Sena Kunstens Udviklingscenter oh, yeah. in Alshel, mm -hmm. focusing on performance and digital media. That was when I really got interested in combining sort of uh, academic, texts and research with performative formats for exploring what they mean when you try to embody them. Mm. So that really became like a, a new trajectory in my work. And I did a series of inhabitation pieces that for me were like laboratories for exploring different concepts of what it means to be a human being in the world. Um, and they were, at least two of them, were very highly uh, 
interactive with mm-hmm. the audience. There was so much interaction and attention and awareness and engagement, and it was fantastic and it was mind blowing. And some really amazing situations appeared out of this format where it's like, oh, wow, this frame is really, it can really um, make something happen. Mm. Um, The series was called Please Be Here Now. So it was very much about really being present and engaging with what was there based on different themes. Mm. Um, And then like, I guess even with the third part of the series, I started feeling like a little bit uh, almost nauseous with this whole focusing on human, on the human being, the Mm. human condition, the human emotions and interactions. And I was like, oh, can we address someone else? (laughs) Um, But it was a very intuitive, uh, like, sort of shift so it wasn't really like okay now i want to work with uh, other than humans it was more like i'm really fed up with this human-centered way of creating so i started exploring uh, co-creational situations with rocks Mm -hmm. um uh, yeah the first one was called i'd rather be a mountain (laughs) and uh And I found this quote by Susan Sontag, where she says, I discovered that I was tired of being a person, not just the person I was, but any person at all. And it really felt like this kind of, ah, I I want to get into a dialogue with something else to to escape my own belly button. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I sort of went exploring and um, applied for a residency in the Warden Sea, a national park, I guess it's called, where uh, I I got the residency together with a photographer and a composer. And our sort of um, aim for the project was to explore how we could co-create with the Warden Sea landscapes and phenomena in a sort of uh, equal Uh, yeah equal equal dialogue and this for me was like such a mind complete opening uh, experience of stepping in the background and sort of having my size and my sense of time and my sense of importance recalibrated so this was like very meaningful and this line of work in landscapes sort of started there. And then I did uh, projects in, um, yeah, so the composer's name is Ellen Begir Rasmussen and the photographer's name uh, is mm-hmm. Alexandra Poul. And then I continued working in other landscapes and sort of taking these experiences with me uh, and starting to build some kind of, I guess, methodology around how to, how to explore these co-creational encounters mm-hmm. um, with different landscapes. And yeah, 
that's sort of what I'm still doing, but at the same <laughs> time, I've also been working with fungi and mm -hmm. bacterial cultures and trying to sort of see that as both dance and performance mm -hmm. within a frame that I have set, but I don't, I can't control mm -hmm. what happens mm -hmm. within it because I don't have a clean laboratory and yeah. I'm not a scientist, so it's more like, whoa, yeah. watching <laughs> worlds appear in yeah. front of me. Um, and yeah, and each project is like, has its complete own story. It's like, I, I don't usually know in advance what will happen. I might have an idea, but it's always like the place or the entities gives the cues and then starts the process and mm -hmm. then the research and the understanding and finding out which uh, sort of uh, lines of thought would be interesting to, to uh, spar with mm -hmm. in this project. Yeah, uh, yeah. so... I don't know. Does it make sense? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Also, just this idea of oh, I've been so centered. Like I've been working centered around the human being. I, I have to just get away from that. It makes so much sense. And I feel that I have a lot of things that I would still like to investigate. Mm. As what are the relationships between human beings and so on. I, I still have this, mm. but I also feel that there's so much more. Mm. And also the, my relation to the world, it, it doesn't just end with human to human interaction. Exactly. So it also just makes so much sense to open it up and ask questions. Yeah. Outside of, of this um, anthropocentric mm. uh, world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And just this, what you um, mentioned this like worlds that emerge mm. I think this curiosity towards what else can there be and talking about landscapes and worlds and beings and entities and just life and then engaging with it mm. and I find it one of the gifts that we have as artist adults <laughs> because it it goes back to this extreme curiosity mm. that kids have yeah mm. and we have more of the potential to go there again mm. be like i just want to throw these things together and see what happens mm. and then just let it happen and mm. then let things unfold sometimes just mm. on their own and you're just a participant in yeah. it yeah. rather than I mean, you are the creator maybe of the space, but then you're also a participant because there's so many in variables that you can't control. Yeah, and yeah. I, I love that yeah. lack of control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I'm super perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's, yes. it's like a really delicate dance with myself yeah. also. But uh, yeah, I, I, I find it really magical when things come together, when it really happens that, that this is, this is something that is co-created. It's not me, it's not this phenomena or that mm -hmm. plant, but it's really something that emerges out of our encounter. Yeah. That is my kick. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's this quote, um, from you in, in relation to one of your works mm. and 
I'm not exactly sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but symphysis. Okay. See, actually, I don't know what it's called yeah. in English. Symp in Danish, it's called symphysis. Okay, symphysis. <laughs> I love that it's a word that uh, I don't know how to pronounce and I have a question about the word itself. Um, I find that great. <laughs> but yeah, so in, in relation to that work, um, you wrote um, that it means co-creation and the work consists of a creational moment where human and other than human meet in new Synthesis and new exposure, and mm. you just mentioned that a little bit already. But maybe you can, maybe in relation to that particular work, mm. Um, mm. elaborate what that means to you. Yeah. So in that particular work, I was working in a romantic landscape garden uh, by Lise Lund in Moon, mm -hmm. which is a, an island, mm -hmm. um, and I was following sort of the life. Of, uh, of this very man-made landscape. Uh, mm. It's very polished. Everything is very controlled in a way, but it's still alive. Mm -hmm. And I was coming there every month for a year with a photographer uh, to sort of engage with what was happening now, what was mm. at this particular point in time, what presented itself or became an invitation to relate and actually I knew that this was like this was the way I wanted to go in advance but I was surprised at how difficult it was to get to this sort of um, uh, immediate encounter because the landscape was so uh, polished mm. or so um, it's, it, it, it's like the human idea of what nature should look like. And I found it really difficult to sort of enter into the dialogue because also I didn't want to just create these gorgeous, romanscape, beautiful uh, images uh, in the landscape with a female body. It's like, <laughs> really not what I'm interested in. So there was like some, I guess some ways of seeing and perceiving a landscape like that, that I had to uh, struggle with in myself to get mm. to these like actual encounters. But I guess what it means for me is that there are like, there are several sort of parts overlapping in a project like this. So there's the whole research about what is this landscape, uh, what and who shaped it and what dynamics are present here and then there's the finding uh, relevant uh, theorists or scientists mm -hmm. to have a dialogue with throughout the process to also challenge my own immediate perception so for this project i was reading karen barad uh, meeting the universe halfway she's a quantum physicist okay um and, uh, and then there's the actual being there and becoming present and becoming a body that resonates with what is there. Mm -hmm. And there's always this challenge of having a preconceived notion of, okay, now I would like to do this. I would like to produce this situation, this image, this interaction, and then to really allow oneself to be surprised at what 
emerges from the interaction mm-hmm. uh, and to be shaped by it in return, to not just go and impose uh, myself on it, but to actually explore mm. with my body and be surprised at the outcome. So I guess that's what I mean, that, that the, the co-creational moment is this moment when suddenly something emerges which surprises and changes me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the relating between my body and that which is it is relating with, the, the sum of it becomes the the, yeah, the creation or the or the um, the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The, this, yeah, this relationality, right? That uh, you are in in this space interacting, mm. and the space is interacting with you, and therefore shaping you. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the the interesting layers to working site specifically for Mm. example is this engaging with the outside world or with the site and then this emergence of what what happens when you're there and also this being there more than once Mm. (laughs) experiencing the site in particular or different situations um, different conditions which which can be so different sometimes, like very surprisingly completely. different. It's, yeah. it's a completely different landscape yeah. every time. Yeah. And and every time like going down there, I would be like, mm, okay, it's this time of year. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's this and this and this I will meet. <laughs> and every time there was something completely different that was like, okay, this is what makes sense yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, and I guess it is really sense-making yeah. in a way of... Yeah. of that which is there which includes me mm-hmm. um, yeah how do you make your decisions of where you want to be in that space is that from going there or is it more like a i assume i would like to do something like this here or is it completely from gut like do you mean like for instance this project where i come back every time yeah for instance it i, I mean I guess, you know, over time there would be places that we would return to, mm-hmm. uh, to sort of, I guess, uh, can you say chronicle mm-hmm. the, the development mm-hmm. and, and the ways of engaging with that. Um, so there were, that became these points that, okay, it's been a while since we've been there, probably things have changed, we should mm. go and see what's happening mm. now. Um, but then quite often, like, just something would be saying, you know, hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, look at me, <laughs> I would like to. Yeah. And also sometimes I would be like, okay, I, I really like this place, I want to do something. And then realizing, ah, actually, I, I forgot to ask permission and this, <laughs> this was not an invitation. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it all, you know, it's... It could all be in my head, but it doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. It actually feels like there is a, an exchange. Yeah. Or when it's right, there is an mm-hmm. exchange. Yeah. Um, and of course, I can't tell if the other, if the other others, the other party uh, feels or relates to that. But 
in a, in my experience, it's like you you kind of you are you uh, how do you say this? You're not in doubt mm -hmm. when when there's an exchange. Mm -hmm. you, you you feel it. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. In um. In a lot of your works, your body also seems like a very central part of it, even though it might be a, a dialogue in between yeah. you and nature and you and other th other things. Mm. Um, and these relationships also seem very um, intimate. Mm. Like it's often it's a it's a naked body. Could you tell a bit more about this these intimate relations mm. with uh, especially yeah. nature, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I am really curious about intimacy. Mm -hmm. um, also uh, with human beings. Yeah. But I think it's it's like I got more and more interested in, well, this was a tra trajectory or a line in itself, but in this, is it actually possible to experience intimacy? Mm. Uh, with something other than human uh, and I mean we know it from uh, petting a cat mm -hmm. or like so these kinds of intimate relationships we know but uh, but I was just curious whether it is possible to extend that mm. kind of, of uh, yeah exchange so the Intimacy for me is is definitely one thing that is central. It's not always about the intimacy, but I think a sensuous encounter is maybe by nature always intimate. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the nakedness is, is not really about showing a naked body. It's about uh, making myself available mm -hmm. and... I feel like by stripping down these layers that would normally make me feel more comfortable, mm. make me feel more, uh, I guess, shaped as a human being. To remove them, for me, is also a way of trying to equalizing the re the relationship, and and just the fact of stepping out of my comfort mm. being the most important thing. Because I think as human beings, this is like really ingrained in us that mm -hmm. our comfort our security is is like central so to to not make that central i feel it shifts the balance yeah, a little yeah. bit but i do struggle a lot with it because of how it is easily read i wish i had a a very androgynous body for instance so it wasn't read so particularly as a female body because that's really not what I want to address mm -hmm. uh, it just so happens that that is the body I have mm -hmm. and my body is my tool but I yeah I'm struggling with how to um, how to shape the the, the output mm. so that it is read in other ways and also I guess for me it's also becoming more and more central to sort of um, pair the more visual works where it's my body that's represented with works where it becomes uh, other people's 
own body and own experience of mm. relating intimately that actually is the main the main center of attention mm -hmm. so so engaging the audiences in brackets or participants bodies and that a performance actually happens between them and their encounter with a landscape and their realization that the landscape or a particular entity in the landscape is the protagonist mm -hmm. and yeah. shifting this whole idea of who is spectator and who is audience and where is the where is the performance where is the spectacle mm -hmm. and sort of removing the spectacle from the spectacle really or placing it in the individual encounters and relations yeah yeah i read somewhere that um when in your works that the skin becomes the the place where other worlds and other creatures meet And I just found that that was such a beautiful way of describing some of your works, because that's also what I see when I when I watch both your, like especially your photography, that it really seems like this very honest communication and a very uh, authentic um, meeting point, where the where if you if there would be some some distinction between yourself other mm. than the skin, it mm. would almost feel. Uh, mm, synthetic yeah i mean it would for me i don't i haven't found the right thing to mm. put myself in the world and mm -hmm. to put between myself and the world when it comes to these things um i mean if anything i guess it would have to be something that enhanced the mm. the yeah. the sensuous uh, reciprocity mm -hmm. in a way but uh I guess it is. I mean, this is where, where worlds meet, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just where the inner and the outer of your world exactly. right, um, is also shaped. So there's so much contained inside and mm. so much around it. So it's also just, I, it's kind of like a, a liminal space, this, uh, the skin, yeah. or the, yeah, the receptors. Yeah. yeah the haptic experience, the, the whole sensorial experience, I guess. Yeah, and, and the way it's also very, uh, uh, how do you say, it's uh, pe penetrable. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the world and mm -hmm. the body is constantly exchanging and uh, putting themselves in each other yeah. in a way. So it's like, yeah, I guess if, if we could see it in a different way, it would sort of be this kind of swarm, this uh, constantly changing swarm of molecules mm -hmm. that somehow upholds a certain shape, which we think of as me, but really is just constantly made up and reinvented and mm. spilling out and taking in. I always wished when I was a child, I said that to my dad, I always wished that I could see what's in the air mm. and that there should be different colors <laughs> um, for things that are certain, uh, represent something else and that I would be able to witness mm. not, and, and then maybe also experience more attentively this exchange of what I breathe in, what I breathe out, what is on me, um, what is in me, what is surrounding me. I always yeah, wanted this visualization of it more yeah. because 
I feel that I forget about it yeah. if I don't take the time to put myself in a situation where I actively and attentively say, okay, that's that's the situation mm. or here I am and here are so many others, mm. then I forget it and I just wish <laughs> there would be the possibility to see it. And I think that would change our relationship to our surroundings a lot. Mm. And so, yeah, I feel that through artistic works, maybe that's a possibility mm. to, maybe we can't color the air, but maybe there's other ways of representing this mm. interaction, this connection, this, yeah, um, relationality mm. um, that is just ongoing. Yeah, and I guess in, a, in, in some way that's, definitely also part of what I'm trying to do with the words I do to sort of yeah give it a give it a visual expression yeah. giving these relatings and exchanges and the the reci reciprocal mm -hmm. relationships and material cycles some sort of expression mm -hmm. and I don't think it can ever be a, um, like I could never be able to express it fully, mm. but it's like with each new landscape or with each um, um, bacteria or with each plant or it's like, okay, with this partner, I can try to express it like this. Mm -hmm. This is what this kind of relating calls for. And that, that can be, that can take this or that form or, mm. or format. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, for a while, I guess I've been married a little bit to a certain type of expression, but that's also because I was invited based on like the previous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. project, I would be invited to do the next. And I found it quite difficult to sort of break out of my, even my own idea that somebody was expecting a particular format. So I've kind of also been struggling with the, the exhibition format because for me, the whole relation is like key mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and putting up an exhibition and then leaving it it's like but I don't know how yeah. people yeah perceive it I don't know how they relate to the works I don't know if the works relate to them or it's like so this strange thing which really attracts me to take myself out of the out of the equation but at the same time I'm like but I I need to feel what's <laughs> happening. How 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 is the yeah how is this this experience journeying on from here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also because each project is very much a process, and the process could always go on yeah. indeterminately. Yeah. So to put like a certain point in time and say, okay, now we stop because now we have to produce an an exhibition, and it will look like this. It's almost like it feels a little bit amputated <laughs> in a way. Um, but it has its, I mean, I also love working visually and spatially and with sound and material, object, sculpture, text, mm. you know, it's like, I, I love the process of creating. It's just that when it leaves my hands, then it feels a little strange. Mm. Whereas with the performances, it's very, it's very enriching to witness how the how the work sort of travels on into the audiences or participants mm -hmm. and to see okay there is an onwards 
motion going on from that. Mm. Um, yeah. But before you mentioned this trial of bringing, bridging maybe different forms mm. uh, and also having this, I mean, um, for example, in Bodyscaping Habitat, you had this exhibition, mm. but also performance yeah. and they, they happened at the same time or yes. were accessible for a particular time period. So I was there as an audience member mm -hmm. and I participated and I had an experience in the space, mm -hmm. but I also got to see video or photographic work or even sculptures mm -hmm. that were a response of you or your collaborators that happened before as an interaction with this space. So mm -hmm. a different sort of way of uh, looking at it. Um, It could be a more artistic lens or it could be a, a lens fr from this having a longer interaction with mm. that space mm. because as a participant I was there for uh, two hours so I also and I follow a guide mm. um, at mm. least that's how it was in that particular performance yeah. so but I thought that was a really nice uh, way of of having both The, the exhibition, mm -hmm. but I also then relate to it differently because I arrive there, I see it, mm -hmm. it informs maybe already what I expect or what the space, the site itself is going to bring. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I have the possibility with my own experiences of that site to look at it again yeah. and then relate to it in a different way. Yeah. And that was for me that made a lot of sense this sort of cycle of revisiting the the visual artwork yeah and re-experiencing it and having then a more intimate maybe um, relationship to it yeah less less aesthetic and more felt yeah way. and for me that also made a lot of sense yeah. to to have that uh, to have the joint Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I guess expressions or formats and mm -hmm. and for the participants to have this journey of arriving at the space and like okay this is mm, okay and then going from there into the landscape and returning back mm -hmm. into the exhibition spaces I, I really liked this uh, doing that and I, I definitely think that's something I'm gonna keep exploring to mm -hmm. combine to combine things like that mm-hmm No. But maybe um, if, since I mentioned this piece now, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so just to give the listeners a bit of a, a information about it. So it happened, it was a site-specific performance at a soil depository in Copenhagen, mm -hmm. um, which is like a completely new territory, which was created by excess soil from, um, from the diggings of the city development. And we're curious to hear, first of all, how you found out about this space and how you decided that this is a space you want to engage with and mm -hmm. um, yeah, what was your journey? Yeah, so I had been doing a lot of landscape projects in, or a few in Jutland, in uh, sort of more rural or more uh, uh, untouched landscapes, more natural and I really wanted to. Um, I wanted to try and explore because what I'm interested in is really like 
how we discuss and understand this uh, relationship or oneness or exchange or uh, co-shaping uh, that is human and nature and what distinctions we draw and what it means for the way we perceive nature and interact with it or how that shapes us in return and how that builds a world and all these things. So I wanted to sort of move away from a more, yeah, natural landscape to a more um, clearly human touched landscape. Yeah. And it was kind of by chance that I think some friends uh, mentioned this place and then it was actually in the very early days of the first lockdown um, and me and my partner we went <laughs> around just on an adventure and went out there and uh, found a hole in the fence <laughs> and went in and I was just completely blown away by the place just because it's weird and it's dystopic <laughs> and it's beautiful yeah. and it's artificial but it's also very much alive and it's like such a random archive of so many material <laughs> tales from so many different places that have just been like heaped together there completely chaotic and I was just like, okay, I, I don't even know what's going on here, but I really would like to do something here. And I knew that I was going to do a project, uh, doing a project for the Metropolis mm -hmm. uh, Festival. So I said, I want to do it here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just decided, yes, I will do this. And it's not a place where you're allowed to go. It's fenced in. It's a work site and... Uh, I started coming there through holes in the fence and I got kicked out a lot of times <laughs> and I was like, but I don't understand, <laughs> I really want to do something, I really want to do something nice here, can't you understand, this is fantastic and I had very few um, allies <laughs> mm -hmm. and then I um, uh, got in touch with uh, Jens Nairup from uh, Københavns Kommune who is part of the like monitoring the polluted soil mm. that arrives mm. out there um, mm. and also who is very much involved in like making decisions about how, where to make these projects with uh, surplus uh, soil. Um, and he got it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have an ally. And then I just, yeah, I kept knocking on doors for a really, really, really long time, writing emails that sort of just evaporated into mm. thin air the moment that they left my computer. It's like it was very hard to uh, to get in touch with people and to convince them that this was an interesting project, and the people working there definitely didn't want me, much less five performers, much less 50 audiences running around out there. <laughs> so it was like a long journey of building relations. Mm -hmm. And in a way it became very much a part of the, of this sort of baseline story of the project itself, because, because one thing is 
establishing relations with the with the place itself, with the soil, with the plants, with the stories and the uh, pollution and the inhabitants that move in and fly through and but it became very much about access and about uh, what does it mean to have access and who has access and mm. where and who is included in deciding what a piece of land uh, who is it for yeah. who is allowed to shape it who is allowed to decide who will be there and when and how um, so yeah, these questions also very much informed back into the process mm. and became part of the yeah the the journey of exploration. I just wanted to say that um, when I was there, it was uh, one of those days that it rained the most. Yeah, <laughs> which I think was a very special experience um, because we experienced. Uh, the space in a way that also the performers had not experienced it yet. Well, they so, had, but or, not, or at, yeah. Yeah, not for a very long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and also then they had, of course, learned how to engage with the space, right? Because some, some parts maybe were not meant to be uh, threaded upon, mm. but then <laughs> because it had rained so much just before, there was so much mud mm. and we as participants, we walked through the mud and there was one participant in my group who got really stuck up until the hips. Really? Yes. Wow. And um, it was like a sinking landscape yes. almost. Yes. It was so incredible. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thought this experience was so great. So we went as a group, we all went back to help this person yes. out. And while I was walking backwards, I got stuck <laughs> and I lost my shoe, which I, I had to drag that somebody out. lost their shoe. So the other person had completely lost their shoe and their socks. Oh, and wow. it was the, it was really messy, but in a good way. Yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was just so unpredictable that yeah. the soil would eat you up <laughs> in a way yeah. and you get stuck there and I, I love this experience of also us then coming to the rescue yeah. and then <laughs> having this trace of the soil with us for mm. the entire it happened almost immediately at the beginning so. ah, I know I know where it would have happened <laughs> <laughs> yes I was sucked into that place okay. once too <laughs> so yeah oh, we wow. had this this mud with us the entire rest mm. of the of the uh, experience which yeah. was also really nice that yeah um i thought this was super special i was extremely worried that oh, i'm gonna come to this uh, outdoor piece and it's raining and i'm cold and am i really putting myself through this mm. you know it's a question to ask yourself as a participant as an audience am i willing to experience this mm -hmm. also in a not so perfect setting, which would be nice weather and sun and heat and whatnot. I mean, when we started, so I started in March or April 20 mm -hmm. coming there. Mm -hmm. And in the summer of 20, I had a residency. Um, I was part of leading a residency at the Metropolis. Mm -hmm. So uh, we went out there. We had gotten permission to go out there and work uh, for a few days. Uh, so that was 
August. That was it was very dry then. But I was there in June because I was doing the walk in Copenhagen and my route ended up there and it had been raining like crazy and I did exactly <laughs> the same thing except I was like with all this electronic gear to record oh, no. myself and I got into here in a mud hole like rib cage high and I was like just standing there I was completely alone I was thinking I, I could I could actually die yeah. <laughs> if there's no like because it I mean there are areas there that are dangerous they will swallow you completely um, so you also need to know where to go. It's not mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. because they're like uh, exercising their right to decide. It's mm-hmm. also because people can actually die. It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely legit. Um, but yeah, so I started working out there with performers in February, mm-hmm. and back then it was completely muddy. Yeah. It was like wow. we would walk, and our feet would get like triple the size because the mud would just build up, which means that we kind of developed this special kind of walking through the landscape (laughs) it was like it was very it really um defined our our way of being there and rolling around it like really getting i mean did you get the publication yes yeah so there are some footage from the from that time there and that was really good and i was like i want us to go there way before the time when when we will have uh, participants because I want us to get intimate with the landscape and mm-hmm. I want this experience of being with it over a longer period of time to be in our bodies so that we know what it is also like when we invite people out mm-hmm. here so we have mm-hmm. these references of because it changes so dramatically and then when we were doing the performances because we were kind of we were ready for the muddy experience mm-hmm. because that was like we knew that landscape and then it was just bright sunshine (laughs) perfect uh, like sunsets beautiful light and everything was just like ooh, so lovely and we were all kind of like oh but we wanted it to be more like uh, challenging and Mm -hmm. dirty and like because the landscape was easy uh, in the summer compared to in February but I guess in terms of the audience experience which I mean like you say it it you have to persuade yourself a little mm-hmm. bit to do it in advance so I guess the weather helped that there were actually audiences coming out there um, <laughs> otherwise it might have been a little bit difficult but I do think an experience I've had is like when I go out and work like this I can sit inside and think Ooh, the light is boring today or it's rainy. I mean, rain is difficult if Mm -hmm. you have like uh, photographic equipment and stuff. But regardless, when I get out there, it's just always interesting. Mm. It's it's always completely meaningful. I, I completely lose track of, you know normal sense of oh no i don't want to get wet or because it's it's exciting and and it really is always exciting even when it's freezing cold or <laughs> yeah i mean when you when you get there and when you start relating then it's always right in a way mm-hmm. i'm curious to hear about your um, collaboration also now when you talk about this excitement and the playfulness and the uh, this curiosity to watch the site. Um, how do you 
both in body scaling but also in other processes how how do you collaborate with people that might not have the same excitement for their for a site or for site specific or is it like crucial for mm. your collaborations that the people that you work with should be as explorative or curious i think it definitely helps mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it would be difficult for me to work with somebody who wasn't curious they might not be curious about the same things that I'm curious about, but I think curiosity is absolutely key. But I think also like when I work with photographers, I'm usually very, like we, we go through quite long processes of sort of, I guess, tuning mm -hmm. their vision mm. to what I'm interested in for each particular project. Because as a photographer, you would always naturally look for the a beautiful pose and the and the human in center and it's like really difficult to to shift that away to be like no 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 it's not me it's the relation mm -hmm. that i'm interested in and to sort of massage or mold their perceptions so that with the camera they can go into this um because I mean, I would film it myself. It's just impossible to do that when I'm also trying to be fully engaging and mm -hmm. present and mm -hmm. um, step out of this outside view. Um, I, I film a lot of the footage where I'm not in the uh, picture. I, I more and more started editing a lot of it myself. But, but also, I like working with a photographer because... In some weird way, and I discussed this with myself quite a bit, because I was like, no, the, the relationship should be the main point. Uh, the relationship between this body that I have and the, the bodies that it is relating with. Mm. But it does actually somehow help to sort of frame that there is a third person with a, with a camera or an audience, a witness, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, helps... Uh, create the space somehow and I kind of feel a little bit double about the fact that it is like that because I'm like that it shouldn't be like that somehow <laughs> it, I should be too pure for that <laughs> but but I'm not and I guess maybe this is the 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 circus horse in me the old uh, dancer performer person who still somehow Something happens when there is an audience, even if the audience is a camera. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it, pro, it, it intensifies mm -hmm. somehow the, the, yeah. the space. Um, and the collaboration with how, how, do you, how do you work or do you, how do you collaborate with performers? So I like it to be very processional yeah. uh, and, and for them to have a lot of, I guess, agency in the process. I have a quite clear idea of what sort of what I want the overall structure or frame to be. But I guess because it comes from, so I do research, I come there, I get to know the place mm. on like from my perspective. Uh, but then to invite them in is like also to say, okay, I will set up these um, 
structures for you to meet the landscape, for you to start mm -hmm. co-creating with it, for you to experience relationships and explore what this means to you and what can arise from that. Mm -hmm. And then to create a structure around this. But I mean, each guide had their own mm -hmm. journey and uh, their own like stops or sort of exercises or points of focus along mm -hmm. the way. And of course, I would be discussing it and, and sort of dramaturgically and also saying, for instance, you know, at some or in the beginning, it has to be this has to be part of it in the beginning or at this point, this has to happen. But, you know, each day was different. Like mm -hmm. with you, it was raining and that, of course, I mean, the landscape is the protagonist. Yeah. So it has to be open for that to become clear and to listen into what does this mean today and mm -hmm. what does that call for? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's sort of like a domino mm -hmm. because then, you know, the performers would share it with the participants and then who knows what the yeah. participants will do. And I mean, mm. I'm guessing quite a few of them came back, <laughs> mm -hmm. even though they weren't supposed to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess it's just like setting setting this process in motion mm -hmm. and then passing it on. Yeah. I feel that's uh, very similar to how we also see our collaborations. Um, uh, something we want to explore, uh, a vision. I'm, I'm curious actually, like when you, when you do performances, like how do you, how do you go about it? Yeah. Um, so Nana and I are, sort of the we have something that that is tickling us that mm. we want to investigate and then we talk a lot about that mm. uh, what it is that we want to investigate and how our collaboration because we're always two so how that or is it a collaboration or maybe it's something that one decides not to do in this mm. dual formation and then from there on we are sort of starting the research into what uh, yeah what space or what environment or what setting or yeah just parameters within which to create uh, from or create with and then looking for other collaborators that bring in elements that we would not be able to bring in. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, you asking uh, or collaborating with a photographer yeah. or composer. Or composer, or, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We work also with sound artists, visual artists, etc. So yeah. just adding layers that we also want to investigate ourselves, but maybe don't have the expertise or mm. would, would want to have the support mm -hmm. and also the creative input because yeah. this uh, dialogue between the two of us is a dialogue between the space, but it's also dialogue between other beings and um, everybody brings so much. And so we also see it as a place that we sort of frame. And within that, there's a lot of freedom to mm. to bring thoughts elements ideas mm. and that resonate then with everybody else in the space including us and mm. it takes us to new journeys new new thoughts and where, where we might initially see the project that doesn't mean that's where it ends mm. and that's also 
the beauty of the process, right? Yeah. So oh, I'm open to, since I am a curious being, um, investigating set topic element um, space, then I also want to receive. Mm. And then, yeah, I feel that we, we just try to ensure that that sort of the things we set out to do, they sort of remain a part of the journey. So it can transform, but that, that is obvious that it, where it started from mm, mm. And, and where it connects to, mm. um, especially because, yeah, we, we take our time to really figure out, okay, what it is that we, we want to, where we want to start from. Mm. Yeah. And then also just uh, with our piece Sintili, for example, which is a piece that happens in nuances of darkness and so much of it is unseen. And so much of that means also that the audience, the participants, the experiencer mm. um, brings in so much to the piece. Yeah. And I think that's always the case. But in this particular um, work, it becomes maybe even more obvious to the, the audience mm. because they really if they bring nothing, I mean, if they resist and they don't project anything into the space, then it might be completely boring mm. and there might be nothing interesting to take from it. Mm. But if they also come with openness and curiosity, mm. there's so much to engage mm. with, even mm. though it seems like there is nothing, but there is actually endless possibilities. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, we require a lot, a lot from our audiences, <laughs> yes. actually. like. Because otherwise it might be, it, it is extremely exhausting to look at something in extreme low light levels. Mm. And if you indulge in it, it can be com like a completely open new world that mm. opens mm. and you can... It's like hallucinating. A little, a little yeah. bit, yeah. And if, if not, yeah, then you look in a dark space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With somebody talking to you. <laughs> yeah. But... Beyond Agnes is also, since we are a duo, um, I'm curious to hear this, how it is when you're not a duo. Mm. Like we constantly dialogue with each other what Beyond Agnes is and where it's going and and uh, how much of me should I put into Beyond Agnes mm. and how much of, like, how much should I leave out? Is, should I do that? Yeah. Um, and also like we have a very specific aesthetic, like, okay, and that, con that also changes because of time and yeah. we change, of course. I'm just curious how, how you deal with some of those um, questions of what is your work? How is, like you talked about before, about um, wanting to break a little bit mm. out of your, um, of your aesthetic, of the, mm. of mm. the nudity, um, maybe, or your body? Like mm. how, um, how do you deal with some of those dilemmas? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, so I don't have like, a, a, a partner in crime that I can continue this uh, this discussion with or this exploration but I do talk to a lot of people about it and have like close also uh, artistically close relations where I discuss these things and then I guess each process or each project in itself is also like a, a dialogue partner mm -hmm. um, that brings me to other places. So, yeah, I don't know. 
I, it, there is a lot of dialogues and discussions inside <laughs> me, <laughs> for sure. Um, I guess I'm a practicing Buddhist and uh, I have been for over 20 years. And my chanting, in a way, is also a space for uh, confronting and discussing and opening ways of seeing things or moving beyond uh, points of stuckness mm -hmm. or so I, I think in a way actually that is that is definitely also a dialogue partner that mm -hmm. that practice for sure yeah in, in of course in in more ways than just artistically but mm. but for sure also there mm. and so I'm, I'm also thinking like because I guess I flirt with with like community creation or like uh, but in but in some way I'm also quite attached to uh, artistic leadership like I very much enjoy being part of other people's process and like contributing to projects and, and not being the artistic leader. I enjoy being invited into other people's work very much. But when I do the things I do, I'm just very particular about what I, what feels right, what's right and what isn't. And it's not something that I can even articulate. I just know mm -hmm. if it's right or if it isn't right. And I don't think I would be capable of being in a working relationship where I didn't have the prerogative to to do what is right. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, I'm a little bit kind of uh, countering my own ideals of the of the dialogue and mm -hmm. the co-creation and stuff because I, I also have a very clear sense of <laughs> maybe not the outcome, but the direction, and I I don't want to have to discuss that. <laughs> it's a bit weird. I, I mean, I, I enjoy being, I enjoy it being challenged. And of course it changes along the way mm. because of lots of obstacles or ideas shift or relationships with humans and others affect my way of perceiving mm -hmm. and thinking and the point I envision. But in that sense, I think I'm a little bit it's not even stubborn, it's just that what drives it is this this sort of compass needle of like, mm, I can feel, it's like, I guess it's my intuition in a way, it's mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I can feel I have to, I have to go here yeah. and I, I, I can't produce if I can't follow mm -hmm. that compass needle, mm -hmm. then I like, I, I can't create anything, that's the engine somehow. Mm -hmm. oh, that's beautiful, like even though you say stubborn, I also hear like some fluidness in there. Like, because if the project is your dialogue partner as well, then it can actually shape everything around it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and I think each project in a way is like a sort of a rite of passage. It, like I, I never come unchanged to the other side of a project. Yeah. So it is a, a birthing also of me mm -hmm. and that's how I want it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we talked about collaboration partners and you mentioned Karen Barrett mm. um, but who who inspires you and or, or what it inspires mm. you mm. Uh, lots of 
people and things and thoughts. Um, I guess so. When I started the the Wadden Sea project, I was like, okay, who who should I read? Because the journey into wanting to do this sort of co-creation, it was not so much informed by anything I had seen or heard. It was more like intuitive. It was like, okay. Um, so I asked a friend of mine and she was like, you should read uh, Timothy Morton and Donna Haraway. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, fine, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, especially Donna Haraway was really, really inspiring to me as to a lot of other people uh, in terms of creating a language or having a language for these things that I sort of intuitively wanted to explore, but having a language and, and creating these wonderful words and worlds uh, by her way of thinking and writing was really inspiring. Um, and then from like how to then embody that. Mm -hmm. um, and Astrid and Imanis uh, inspired me a lot. And l lots of poetry. Uh, Inga Christensen, especially D. I love D. Uh, it, it's called in English, um, but also uh, Sufi poetry and I guess also this whole search of like also new Danish writing which yes. sort of deals with these themes of like um, post-human ways of perceiving the world. And I, I always have like a big stack of tape, uh, books on my table mm -hmm. um, and each project it's sort of, I go on these random, I call them Google Gallup, <laughs> where I'm like, I, there's a word or a concept that sort of comes to the fore, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, let me dig into this <laughs> yeah. and then it like, yeah. the world explodes in so many different directions and through that I sort of uh, start going down all these different venues and collecting threads and thoughts and uh, people and stuff. So for this I'm doing a project for the Bloom Festival mm -hmm. in May where I'm collaborating with a khat, uh, a shrub, like a, oh. a nettle, stinging nettle shrub. Wow. And uh, and like I was sure that I wanted to do this and I was sure that I wanted to explore like reciprocity between mm -hmm. humans and nettles uh, and intimacy <laughs> and you know we're used to thinking what do they give to us but then how can we meet them if we don't think about what they give us and how can we sort of go beyond this little painful kiss mm -hmm. to explore maybe that could even be interesting and then to what we can give back or ways of relating um, and then actually one day I was chanting and I was like what is what is this angle what is the angle I'm looking for and the word plant intelligence popped into my head and I it's not something that I have studied uh, before or mm -hmm. even like really been in contact with so I was like I did a google gallop on plant <laughs> intelligence <laughs> And uh, amongst others, found this uh, biologist called Monica Gagliano. Who you know her? No, no. She's quite interesting. She conducts research in collaboration with plants. Mm. So um, she was a marine bi biologist, and then she 
started working with plants and she was doing this um, project. She wanted to, I think, find out if plants uh, could follow sound. Mm. Um, anyways, she... she um, she uh, started uh, sort of practicing also like um, uh, I guess a more uh, what are they called traditional ways of uh, understanding plants mm -hmm. and uh, plant medicine and plant human relationships uh, in South America and had this experience that uh, a plant told her how to set up her experiment mm. and then went <laughs> back home to the laboratory and set it up and then uh, failed but continued working down the path and eventually found what she was looking for but with the help of the plants so it's like i really like i'm formulating it horribly and i hope she will never hear what i just said about <laughs> her work because that was pathetic but i'm really inspired by her methodology and mm -hmm. and this yeah reciprocity and if yeah. there should be one thing either from one of the things you just mentioned or something else that you would advise us to either read or do a Google gallop about. <laughs> what <laughs> would that could be? be an encounter of a human being mm -hmm. or a, a non-human being um, for us to be curious about? Oh, there is so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a book I really love. It was introduced to me by a really good friend who was also a really nice inspiration in the beginning of this way of working. And it's a Sufi poet called Hafiz. So he's dead many, many years ago, but his some of his poems have been translated by a um, writer and they have sort of been slightly um, reinterpreted but I mean staying completely true to the to the original text it's just that the the words can be can be perceived in different ways um, and it's called I heard God laughing and it's beautiful it's really beautiful poetry there's a lot of God in there but I think you know you can you can replace that word with whichever word makes sense mm. uh, whether it's life or universe or yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but uh, but yeah i that is a, a really dear relation that um, that I, i share with people i care a lot about so <laughs> that would be a recommendation and i think yeah i mean all the theory i'm sure you know more than i do so i wouldn't make any recommendations there also because i'm just not an academic i love reading and i stumble upon things and then they become uh, major inspirations but it's such a patchwork mm -hmm. of things there is no like uh, coherence in it other than my zigzag yeah. trajectory <laughs> I think that's also how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> There's I, that's sort of the the difference between having to do a uh, academic writing yes. where you have to <clears throat> adhere to certain rules 
and you have to have a thesis um, that you have to kind of stick to and relate to at all times. But in our process, we can also decide to discard that I know. and go somewhere completely different yeah. if it makes sense. And mm -hmm. we can pick and choose. Yes. We can say like this, yeah. this really inspires me. This I want to try and explore. Yeah. I don't have to take the whole back catalog of yeah. who's referring to who and mm -hmm. no, no, no. So yeah, I, I love that freedom. Um, but also I have so much awe of academia mm -hmm. I think because I'm not an academic I'm like I'm really like wow I think it's amazing and I've been flirting with it quite a lot also sort of trying to somehow prove myself or prove my intellectual I guess right to do the things I do mm -hmm. um, and I'm I kind of really don't do that anymore i really use it as inspiration but uh but recently i got like more um sort of academics who would like to uh, like who use my work as cases mm -hmm. or who would like to maybe co-write articles and stuff and i'm super curious about that as long as i don't have to make sure that it lives up to the academic <laughs> standards because it would kill me yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I, I and i love this uh, yeah the the dialogue and yeah. the exchanges from arts and embodiment into uh academics and intellect and then back again like it, mm. it really i find it so interesting and stimulating because with this we are really able to take each other places that otherwise maybe wouldn't be accessible yeah. if we just stayed within our little separate bubbles mm -hmm. thank you so much for all the beautiful uh, yeah words you you said um, I have so many things bubbling inside <laughs> of my head <laughs> yeah yeah thank you so much it was really a pleasure and thank you for us coming into your home <laughs> <laughs> you're very welcome <laughs> yeah no, it is nice to talk to you and um, who knows maybe our paths yeah. will meet in other ways you never know. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I, when you were talking about um, this um, research of going back in different uh, um, times of the year, mm. in our new piece, Morphosis, the site-specific piece, our aim is to perform it in each season. Nice. So it's also very much at the center of that particular investigation yes. to, because you also mentioned the, the sort of expectation of the space in a particular mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. And we are now, of course, going through, um, going to start the process. So we're also going to have expectations of mm -hmm. how it will be. Mm -hmm. And it's just, uh, I'm so excited to meet mm -hmm. the space of a new and not just in a particular season, but really mm. every, all year long. Mm. But the, the biggest quote-unquote worry is not 
us being in the space but it's really then the plan is to perform it each season as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. and and the worry is who will come in december mm -hmm. to an outdoor space mm -hmm. who will come when it is raining in the way it rains here in yeah. denmark yeah. or when it is stormy and of course there may be days you have to say it is not okay and mm -hmm. we have to cancel or postpone But still, the unpredictable <clears throat> element of the weather, which mm. is amazing, I love that, mm. but it's also this worry or question oh, in, in my mind, who will want to expose themselves to that experience? Or mm. how do you invite people into that experience, exactly. engaging them and telling them, no, but that's the experience you should yeah. have. Yeah. And because you're not crucial. having it otherwise. Yeah, but you're I think it's crucial. It really is about doing the work of, I guess, framing it mm -hmm. for people so they understand why this is not just uncomfortable and, and pointless, but why this is so exciting for them. Mm. And, 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 yeah, and I guess a good part of being able to communicate that is also feeling it oneself yeah. and and realizing and I I did a, this was the first participatory performance I did in two uh, northern Jutland the most remote part of Denmark <laughs> from Copenhagen <laughs> uh, out in these uh, heath um, uh, dunes oh, and it was I think it was August But it was really rainy, really grey, um, quite windy, and uh, the, the audiences were participants in were at a festival uh, called Alive Festival, and they had to sign up for the performance. And then there was a 40-minute bus ride mm -hmm. um, with a soundscape, and then they came, and I was waiting for them out there, and I was really nervous that. You know, it was raining. It was like, oh no, no, this is, this is horrible. Because I know I, I like it. I don't mind it. But I really didn't trust mm -hmm. that they would have the same experience. Mm -hmm. And it was raining when they came. And then we gathered and we started. And then the rain stopped. And then like little rays would come through mm. and the wind. And it was like, and it was exactly right. Yeah. And everybody felt that. Yeah. And I think it's also like if you can just persuade them to get there. Yes, exactly. Then then yeah. they will they will get it. Yeah. So that's the that's the like how can you yeah. and I, I guess I mean one thing we didn't talk about, but which is also in a way interesting for me as a strategy is is also seduction. Mm. Not seduction because I want people to uh, be seduced to me, but seduction as a strategy for moving people to other places where they can experience other mm -hmm. things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really something that I also just think as myself, as an uh, audience, not just as an artist, I am seduced by what is nearby and mm. what is comfortable. Yeah, we all are. But I'm also seduced by that which I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, but there is this part of me that says I stick to my comfort. Yeah. And something has to really invite me to get out of this mm -hmm. comfort. Mm -hmm. And then I also think about the structure around us, right? And how performances are still predominantly happening indoors mm -hmm. and with a certain time frame, a certain hour of the day, mm -hmm. a certain length and certain expectations that we then have as uh, audiences. Mm -hmm. And I also want to disrupt that. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel myself going back to, oh, but should we maybe mm -hmm. not do mm -hmm. it or mm -hmm. should we adjust it a little bit so that there's some sense of familiarity mm -hmm. that reminds... And these are questions I kind of wish I wouldn't have to no, think about. I, yeah, but I think they are valid because we do things... I mean, I wouldn't produce if I if I, there wasn't an audience. Mm. I, I might be in the world in a variety of ways, but I wouldn't produce. I don't have a studio practice where I just go and produce every day. I produce for an audience, yeah. whether it's an exhibition or a performance. And so what I do really doesn't exist if it doesn't meet mm -hmm. its audience, because that's actually... So the process might be so interesting and enriching and thought-provoking and uh, all kinds of wonderful things for me. But then I want the outcome to reach yeah. other people. So it is valid to have these uh, thoughts like, okay, how can I ensure that that happens? At the same time, however, I really like to demand quite a lot of my audience <laughs> because... I don't even know why. Maybe because I'm a, how do you say, um, a sadist? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just because I, I know from my own experience that when I push beyond the boundaries of what I know already, that's mm -hmm. when life gets bigger. That's when I feel enriched and excited. Yeah. And mm. so I want my audience to do that too. I don't want them to stay like mm. looking at a picture on a wall or something pretty on a stage. Mm -hmm. um, and also because in a weird way, it's sometimes at, at least some people are attracted to that which is challenging. Yeah. So for me, it's also about playing a little bit on that to say, yes, it's challenging. And this is exactly why mm -hmm. you should do it. Um, I, I loved, I mean, it was also for, for practical measures. I loved putting people in, in suits for the bodyscaping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course it was for protect, protection and so their clothes wouldn't get dirty. But even more so, it was to strip them of their individual visual uh, personality yeah. and to, to sort of unify them and, and to um, make them see that they were images in the landscape mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and then I also really loved, and this was also something that was important, it had to be done, 
but I loved that uh, that you had to sign this uh, this um, had to put your signatures that you were doing it on your own volition, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people at least some people got scared, uh, and I just like I like creating these points, like. Also, like entering into the performance through the exhibition, like it is a journey, and it starts the moment you go through the door. It's like already you are going into this preliminal, liminal, post-liminal mm-hmm. uh, stages of hopefully a transformative experience. Yeah. So, like finding ways to to frame that and to to say, yeah, you know, you might get really cold. <laughs> But like I guess that's also the beautiful thing about both like performing outside arts where you meet the meet the audience that you actually you you have now a space Mm. where you can do things you normally wouldn't do exactly and like the rules are different yeah and I think it's so exciting we also do it especially in Sintilli like you go in and you kind of you kind of have to be committed to what it is that you do like different than going in and just taking things in that like mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. actively be yeah. present yeah yeah and I also love the fact like to say people tell people yes it's four hours and no you can't leave halfway yeah yeah, yeah. I mean just like, yeah it's four hours deal with it yeah you can't have your phone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like that yeah <laughs> me too when I am it's it's always tough when there's stuff imposed on me because mm. I have an issue with like this authority yeah, and, yeah. and but I also know that there is a reason behind exactly. this yeah. and I can still afterwards determine if I agree mm. with these decisions yes. but usually they are there to enhance my experience yes of course and Especially the phone thing, I mean, that's just, uh, that makes absolute sense. But also the duration. Mm. For us, we now, Sintilli being a piece that happens in darkness, it is a one-hour piece. But if I would think about what the experience actually would have to entail, Mm. is like a whole preparation of... Mm. What we experienced, for example, we were hours and hours in darkness and we were just what it takes to get to the Mm. point of here is even beyond wow. Like, Mm. yes, Mm. one hour can be great, Mm. but Mm. do do you know what happens after six hours, Mm. Mm. after 24 hours? Of of course, then that you have to frame it differently, and it's a different experience, and mm. it would take more. And we made this decision that this is a piece that lasts for one hour, mm. but it's also just something that we still talk about a lot. Like, how do you prepare your audience mm. for mm. that space? Mm. And mm. yeah, yeah. So. I also think it's sometimes with this when it's challenging for the audience that it's also exclusive in some way. Mm. Like you will exclude some some people. Yeah, and I guess it's about being conscious about also who you exclude and if there is a way to not exclude them or mm. to sort of communicate mm-hmm. this to yeah. them. And yeah, I mean, 
I guess that's also that's the point where it's also nice to work with people who maybe know uh, PR <laughs> <laughs> yeah. stuff like that because uh, yeah. because that I mean that's a whole that's a big part in itself. Right? Mm. But where, which uh, place are you working in for the for the site specific? Yes. So we choose Amafeln yeah. and Kalkrau. Um, Oh, yeah. Kelkrau, yeah. oh, amazing. This space yes. is spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't wait to see it in different seasons yeah. as well, yeah. because we have been there in May last year. And now when we will go there, it will also be May again. Mm -hmm. And um, to then explore it when it changes, mm -hmm. like all the different changes that, yeah. that oof, I'm so curious. Yeah. And, Ammerfeln is more of a place that we know. We both live in Amma, so mm -hmm. we have a relationship to the space. Mm -hmm. We know it in different seasons. Of course, the investigation will bring us a lot of new experiences yeah, and yeah. ways of looking and interacting with the space, but there is a familiarity right. that we don't have with the other space. And yeah, yeah. And that's also just a question again, Of, of the practicalities, you know? Okay, mm -hmm. if you choose a space that's not in Copenhagen, then you have to invest also yourself in your your time there. Mm -hmm. It takes time to go, it takes time to come mm -hmm. back. And knowing that, then again, it's something to think about for the audience. But also, I already know that the experience of just being there is yeah. such mm -hmm. such a worthy experience. Mm -hmm. I would everyone to... <laughs> I would wish everyone would be yeah, able to go it. there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's also like with the soil repository it was also very much the experience like this. You need to experience yeah. this. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but I was thinking also because how long is it from Copenhagen? Kalstrup? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's difficult to get that by public transport. Yeah. So that's like an hour. Okay, that's not that. Uh, but you have to walk a lot, so um, because I, I just I, I really liked this thing with the, the bus ride. Yeah, we have also because uh, because actually it started already there, and the soundscape was like very low in the beginning, mm -hmm. and people were chit chatting about, yeah. and it would grow louder and louder and louder until they they were mm -hmm. not capable of yeah. having a conversation and just. That became sort of a a preliminal uh, yeah. journey into yeah. then arriving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we talked about yeah bus or some form of transportation where people have to yeah they are just together already mm. differently than mm. in an open air space, but also it's a it's this chit chat mm. and. Yet it's also part of the performance and something happens there that mm. already prepares you. Mm. So be it a soundscape or be it uh, something that happens in there. Mm. And um, yeah. Um, I, uh, no, I just came to think of something else. I'm very curious of how I'm gonna work in a space where I'm going to be observed at all times. Like when I work site specific, specific before, it's been very. Um, remote mm. and maybe one or two people passing by mm. but here it's like it's dense with people 
Uh, in the both cow, cows oh, okay. yeah, yeah okay. I mean it's there's a lot of people walking around. There are dogs. There dogs, yeah, like mm. and also Amafedel is a very human dense mm. area. Mm. Mm. Like um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, feel, I feel very fragile to be yeah, in artistic I, process. And absolutely. <laughs> and and usually, like, what works for me is when I have the when when I go out with the photographer. It's like, okay, there is a frame. You mm -hmm. know, people respect that. They yeah. can see something is happening here. Okay, um, for whatever reason, we accept that mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. not just some weird person doing something <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I actually started the, the process for the metal piece mm -hmm. uh, with a two-day workshop uh, in March. And so we were two people there. And I, this was my concern also because I was like, okay, they're going to think we're so weird doing our strange <laughs> like uh, explorations and things out there. And uh, somehow it really felt like we sort of generated this bubble hmm. of hmm. Uh, attention and focusedness that... It's like they were there, but they were sort of in another world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, it came as a surprise to me because usually I also work in more remote places. And this, this is in Sundermagen, so there's yeah. like lots of people <laughs> and lots of dogs and <laughs> lots of sound from the road. Yeah. And yeah. like it's yeah. very inhabited by humans. Yeah. But somehow it's like. And yeah, I think. I think my experience also this like coming back and like laying layer upon layer mm -hmm. of in this relationship, mm -hmm. building this relationship and then that sort of, um, I don't know if it even changes the energy of the place, I'm not sure, this is a wild uh, assumption, <laughs> but definitely as the relationship grows stronger, it becomes less important what mm -hmm. else is going mm -hmm. on somehow yeah yeah, yeah I guess because performing is something different yeah like that's a really no problem yeah 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 I mean because then then you're performing yes like, exactly <laughs> but it's this like oh when when it's like oh the very first step of going yeah. into something and you're being observed <laughs> yeah 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 at the same time I would say the majority of the people doesn't observe you for a really long time. Mm. No. They notice you. They they might look or even stop. But generally, people are so preoccupied with their own lives mm. that you, yeah, you are just a fraction of mm. their attention. Yeah. Mm. And then also, I think the same way, you are so preoccupied with your mm. research and mm. your engaging with whatever it is you want to engage with that also eventually you blend out the outside mm. world and other beings and then sometimes this crosses like sometimes people will come and ask questions yeah, yeah. oh what is it that you do yes. and then you have to choose am I ready to engage with this? Do I yeah. want to have this conversation? Yes. Or mm -hmm. yeah. is where I am right now the right place to be? And I have to unfortunately or mm. fortunately say to that person, you are not my focus now. Mm. Mm. I'm here to do something particular. Mm. Mm. But yeah, 
But sometimes it also, like in Liselund, this is also a very used park. People mm. walk a lot there, especially when the weather is nice. So that there would come these situations where I would be doing something like laying around <laughs> with the animal in the lake and being absorbed by that and then I would have an audience yeah that but but in a way you know, in some way it, it was also sort of reinforcing the 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 attention yeah mm -hmm. so so it it was also it could also be positive yeah Yeah. yeah, but like meditation, when you have something to distract yourself from, it's sometimes easier to focus. Yeah, like if if it's too much, then it might be. But if there's just a little little thing that you have, to, you have to leave it out. <laughs> yes, yes. Focus, yeah, so. that's true. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, and it will always be different. So yeah, that's but even like two days in the same season yeah. will be completely different. Yeah, and exactly. Beauty of it. Yeah, I really. Yeah, find that eternally exciting. <laughs>